This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. I'm Sam, and today I'm joined again by our lovely guest, Dr. Michelle Chung. Welcome, Dr. Chung. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. So for folks who who didn't hear, we had Michelle on a number of weeks ago, and we talked a lot about um, helping us and our children develop healthy Asian identity. Today, we're going to be talking about perfectionism, that fun little thing that that plagues us, many of us who listen to this podcast. So fun. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is something that I think a lot of us struggle with. Mm -hmm. It's something that I definitely struggle with for sure. And it's something that Christy and Diane and I have talked on and off about on the podcast before. And it's a a topic that got a lot of interest from users. I think that's still our most listened to episode ever. So I'm sure that folks are are very excited to hear us dive a little bit deeper into it. And I know this is going to be a two-part episode that will release the first part this week, the following part next week. Um, And today we're going to be talking a little bit about where perfectionism comes from. So, you know, what's really interesting when you said that it was one of your more listened to podcast episodes, Mm -hmm. there have been all these studies that have come out recently, I think starting from the late eighties, you know, into two thousands that have been following this spike in perfectionism in just general culture and also in particular in Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. And so this is definitely something that is unique to this particular group of of people. And so it's just, it's interesting that you say that because it seems to be, you know, something that I think a lot of us are struggling with. Yeah, definitely. I think hearing that it's specifically something that is rising or peaking in the AAPI population specifically relates really well to kind of what we had have planned to talk about today. And I'm actually realizing in the the practice of challenging my own perfectionism versus starting over, you know, Dr. Chung, I realized that I forgot to ask you to introduce yourself. So for folks who maybe didn't listen or hadn't heard your last episode, why don't you take a little bit of time to just tell our listeners about you, about the work that you do? Sure. Um, So I am a clinical psychologist and I practice mostly uh, in the state of New York. Um, I'm currently trying to get finish up some licensing things in New Jersey. So hopefully that'll happen soon. I primarily focus on anxiety related struggles. So that is also where the perfectionism uh, type of anxiety comes in and also ADHD and executive functioning struggles. Sometimes they do go hand in hand, that anxiety and the ADHD. And also uh, I I do work with children, families, and adults in my practice. And I have a small, I would say it's it's a small sort of boutique practice, about five clinicians that work with me in New York City. Awesome. Well, so we're, we're so excited to have you back today. 
So Dr. Chung, for the, the purpose, I guess, of having sort of like a working definition of perfectionism, before we dive into maybe the history of it and where we feel some of the origins are from, what do you feel is sort of the best working definition to have of perfectionism for our discussion today? So the way in which I look at perfectionism is, and these are just the signs that I even look for in some of the clients that I work with, is this, this theme of not being good enough or maybe even not being able to tolerate when things are not perfect, whether it's yourself or sometimes it could be other people um, that are around you. It could be your friends, partners, people who work for you, maybe even your children and this striving for always better. And what's interesting about maladaptive perfectionism is that it is driven by the fear of failure rather than a healthy desire for success. So it's a lot of it is about protecting yourself from the, the sting of shame or negative judgment and the sense of, of having to get it right and being in control in that way. And obviously what we see in the more maladaptive forms of perfectionism is it does lead to burnout. Oftentimes the, it, it, there's this sense of sucking all the joy out of things that maybe you once did enjoy. And oftentimes is, is linked to higher levels of anxiety, depression, and is a major factor in even suicidal ideations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hearing you frame it from that perspective of it's not necessarily, you know, I think when some people think about perfectionism, maybe they think about the person who's like really type A, someone who's really ambitious, like achieve, achieve, achieve. And what you said is what I hear so often in perfectionism in my work with clients is more around that fear of failing, the fear of being imperfect, being kind of the main driving force behind it. And the ways in which, yeah, that lends itself, I think, a lot to a lot of anxiety and depression. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I know we're going to go, you know, potentially go into this a bit more later in our talk, but, you know, I do think that there are really a lot of people out there that, that would fit into this perfectionist category. You know, I feel like perfectionism is, um, it's such a loaded word in the sense where I think there are some some people who might even say that as a badge of honor, you know, oh, I'm, a, I'm such a perfectionist, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there are some really wonderful, great qualities that comes with that personality trait. You know, they do tend to overachieve and, and they're good at things and they do things well, but, you know, there, there are also these other downsides. And what, you know, I always say that there are two types of perfectionists. There are the ones that do too much and they're constantly striving and and motivating themselves to continue to go on in that way and then there are the type of types of perfectionists that i think they often don't put themselves in that category which do too little mm. right that anxiety that need to get it right and to do it a certain way is so strong that it often is so paralyzing in that moment that they can't even get themselves to start or to put in the effort to try in the, you know, even from right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that distinction I feel is so important. It, it reminds me of a lot of work that I did when I first started in substance abuse. And a lot of the folks that I worked with, even though in some ways they had behaved in ways that kind of 
like blew up their lives or all of this stuff. So often the route that I would hear from them was just this fear of being a failure, of making a mistake, not being good enough. And you wouldn't necessarily, I think, make that association that that person was really struggling with issues around perfectionism. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and there is, you know, sometimes when I bring that up to a client, especially the one that might fit more in, in that, in that category of doing too little, And I say to them, wow, you're a real perfectionist, Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways they, I I think for some people they pause and they think to themselves, oh, that's not how I would describe myself. Because if I were really a perfectionist, then I would be doing all these things, you know, in, in, and being a high achiever, but in actuality, that is a perfectionistic anxiety that is stopping you. But the reason I, I bring that up is that I don't want the perfectionist types that do too little to think of themselves in such a negative way, you know, because like I said, there are these really positive qualities that can come with that perfectionist style and they just have to learn to harness that in a way that works for them. Yeah. I feel that that might be a really good transition into talking about like where perfectionism even comes from, you know, if it didn't serve us in some way or have some positive attributes or qualities for it, no one would be doing it or struggling with this. And, and Dr. Chung, this is something that came up kind of organically between you and I, when we had first met a number of months ago to talk about you coming on the podcast was about just some of these really interesting historical contexts and origins of perfectionism and, and perhaps why it's so common in Asian culture. Absolutely. And, you know, I just, just to be honest and put it out there, you know, I would put myself in that category of being a recovering perfectionist. And I think some of this really did come, you know, I think there's a lot of us that'll probably be able to raise our hands right at that moment and, and, and relate to that because I, I was really interested in this in just organically in, in, for my own selfish reasons. And I started to do some more research and digging into this. And it was fascinating to me just to see, you know, how this is really linked to a lot of cultural underpinnings that are weaved within, you know, I wouldn't say all Asian cultures, but a lot of Asian cultures. And also the experience of being Asian American and the, whether it's the model minority myth or whether it's the immigration experience that also feeds into the whole perfectionist thinking and the way of, of, of being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think first it, it became very clear that because a lot of Asian cultures are deeply rooted in Taoist and Confucianist thinking, there's a lot in in that way of looking at the world and perceiving things that really do, you know, it's almost like it primes Mm -hmm. a lot of the perfectionist ways of thinking and living through life. You know, there's the collectivist culture, right? The idea that not an individual's need, needs, are not bigger than the greater good of the group, right? And so if you look at that as working as a family unit, there there is this sense that what you do and what you achieve is not only a reflection of you as an individual, but it's a reflection of your whole family. And, uh, And your success is also your family's success. And on the flip side of that, 
any failures that you have are also your family's failures. And if you just think of that, the weight that that puts on a person is a lot at certain points, right? So, so there is this ultra drive to, to succeed and to do well and to achieve. And then there is this really high fear of failing or making mistakes. Yeah, I really appreciate Dr. Chung, how you made that connection then between how something that is rooted in messages from Confucianism that maybe is sort of a governing or a driving force within a culture, how that then even sort of gets boiled down into more of the micro of how that looks within the family, the way that these values are then held within a oftentimes AAPI identifying families and that, yeah, my success is your success or your parents' success. And so are all your mistakes or the ways in which you may fall short. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think um, if, if we were to even expand on that more, the idea of filial piety, right? Having deference and respect for the elders, you know, you look up to them, you love them. And so even things like criticisms that you might get or uh, ways in which they view you really matter. You know, it, it, there, there's a lot of weight and we want to honor them and make them proud. Right. And with that, you know, th- there's a sense of actually having to really have control and self-discipline and emotional self-control mm-hmm. in even being able to, Hey, we don't talk back you know, to our elders, we, you know, if we respect them, this is how we would act. This is how we would behave. And if you don't, there's this idea of, or there's this huge feeling of shame and guilt that really sets in. Now, if you also think about the value of emotional self-control and how that ties into perfectionism, right? There's even this, this sense of you need to be able to control, to be disciplined, to sit there and to study more, to control your impulse, to you know, go outside and run around and just play, but instead you're going to delay that, you know, that gratification of succeeding and achieving, and you're just going to put yourself through the grind mm-hmm. of disciplining yourself, sitting down, you know, studying hard, you know, putting your head down, follow, you know, following this, this course of what is considered successful. Even that is a deeply rooted Confucianist value. Yeah. It's, right? so, it's so funny listening to you talk through these, these messages around hard work, around delay of gratification, around stoicism, sort of like putting yourself through uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. It actually reminds me of this story that, that I'll share. Perhaps our listeners will find it funny, but my grandfather, uh, Japanese American, very impressive man, you know, very successful in his life. But there's this infamous story in my family of when my older brother, I think was maybe two years old, some, he was crying about something like, I think a toy got taken away and he was upset. And my grandfather said to him, you know, you better enjoy it now. There's nothing for you to cry about because pretty soon you're going to have to get a job to a two-year-old. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like very straight faced, very matter of fact, like not in any way of chastising him, but I feel like that touches so much around some of these messages around hard work, even when you're small um, yep. and sort of like that of even to a two-year-old, that that was the message that he was getting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, you know, even, even if you look at the bigger picture application of that, it's the idea that it's not about your ability per se, it's about how much effort and how hard you're going to work at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is so much of this, this pressure and this, it's a value, it's a priority. It, it just reminds me of a Japanese saying, you were just talking about how your mm-hmm. grandfather from Japan. I think I know the one you're going to say. <laughs> What, what, what do you, th- I, I'm curious what you might think it is. So the one I'm thinking is the, the nail of the head that sticks up, gets hammered down. Is that the one? Oh, that's a good one too. It's a very collectivist uh, proverb from Japan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But actually that's not the one that I was thinking. Oh, about. okay. Um, the, the one that I was actually thinking about is, what did I, I'm trying to think where I heard this story, but uh, it, it might be from how Japanese culture, there's so much pride in the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was something along the lines of, you know, it's basically not done until it is perfect, but that's basically the gist of oh, it. Yeah. I, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. It, it, uh, even the sort of messages around hard work, it reminds me of, I, I don't think that this is only in Japan. I think that perhaps a few other East Asian countries have a word for this too, but there's a word in Japan that specifically refers to people who have died of their hard work. And it's considered like a very honorable way to yes. die. Like you worked yourself to death. Right. <laughs> That's a positive uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can absolutely see that. You know, a, a, again, it's more, you know, there's nothing about joy. <laughs> You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing about, uh, you know, even in that there's nothing much about success, really, if you think about it, but it is about just hard work. Yeah. There definitely is this way in which it, it it permeates so many of the Asian cultures. Um, and, and you can see how that really primes a lot of people to take on this more perfectionist personality type. Yeah, I wonder, Dr. Chung, how you've seen that over time, sort of, so some of these more general cultural messages around hard work, not necessarily for the purpose of success, but just for like the sake of hard work and what that means. I wonder how you've seen that maybe over time or how you see it perhaps come up with clients that you work with today in a more modern setting. I definitely see that a lot with a lot of my clients that that I work with. I think if you especially in regards to, you know, sticking with the model minority myth, right? I will say that there is a whole piece of success in there, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So it's not necessarily just about hard work per se, but it's this idea that hard work will lead to success. Mm -hmm. Whereas that might be true in a lot of cases. I think we all know that's not necessarily true in all cases. Sure. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are working extremely hard and are succeeding to a certain level, obviously, you know, but, but they might not outwardly appear successful, you know, in, in the ways that I think can be measured mm-hmm. by people. And so a lot of that what's interweaved in that Asian value system is that 
effort is and, and hard work is really important because it will increase the chances that you will be successful. Yeah, I wonder, to me, Michelle, that sounds like that leads into that point that you made earlier around um, how this is almost exacerbated by sort of the Asian immigrant experience of coming to a country where the big story is that we live in a meritocracy and if we work really hard, you're going to be successful, which isn't necessarily always the case. And there are a lot of factors, I think, especially for immigrants coming to the United States that make that not such an easy thing for people to achieve despite how hard they're working. Absolutely. And I think for the most part, the immigrant experience is one of struggle, Mm -hmm. right? And sacrifice. So I know that there's a lot of second generation children that will say things like, how can I complain about this? Or how can I not achieve this certain level of success when my parents have given up, my family has given up so much Mm -hmm. in order to afford, you know, my better life. And if I don't achieve that, then there's this sense of failure and disappointing you know, the parents and, you know, really a lot of shame that goes into that. And so I do think that, you know, there, there is almost a sense of gratitude, but also guilt about the sacrifices that our families have made in order for us to have better opportunities. And that of course, then adds into that whole narrative of, I must achieve this. I must get to this particular place. And also it minimizes our own struggles at certain points, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, because you tell us more about that. Sure. And, and it's, it's not a, I don't think it's a conscious thing. It's not, it's not a purposeful thing that happens. It's just a consequence sometimes of feeling that the struggle is relative. My parents came to this country with nothing more than the clothes on their back and $200 and they couldn't even speak the language and somehow, you know, struggled and made it to a certain degree. In comparison, what I am going through is nothing. And therefore I can't complain. You know, I I can't feel bad about it. Mm. You know, this, this pain is not, you know, real compared to what they had gone through. And so there is this real minimization of your struggle, but the struggle is real in all different forms. Yeah, I imagine that, you know, I hear so many stories from clients where that message is not necessarily one that's even just felt internally, but also reinforced by older generations. You know, this is something that comes up between me and my mom sometimes about how much easier it is to be Asian American today, which I know is true, Mm -hmm. but also we have this back and forth around like, well, doesn't that mean that we should still fight to make it better? Like, is there space for both of these struggles here? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a really great point because I think this is the, a struggle that many people who have, especially immigrants in general, you know, where, where there, there was, you know, the story of sacrifice and, and somehow rising above that, mm-hmm. where, you know, there, there's the, there's the old guard and then there's the, you know, the new guard and each generation has their own struggles that are very real. 
Well, so Dr. Chung, I imagine so much of what we talked about today is going to resonate with our listeners. You know, there's so much that I heard that resonated with me personally that I imagine is going to resonate with a lot of folks who are listening. And I'm so excited to continue this conversation because now that we've talked a little bit about the origins, where some of those messages of perfectionism come from in a lot of AAPI communities, next time we're going to talk a little bit about recognizing perfectionism, the different types, which I know we spoke about today, and then maybe some tools or tips that we can give to some of our listeners if they're wanting to challenge some of their own perfectionistic beliefs. I can't wait. So, so Dr. Chung, will you share with our listeners anything that you're wanting to promote and where they can find you if they're interested in learning more or potentially working with you? My website is www.drmichellechung.com. And I guess the other way that you can find me is I do have an Instagram. It's at dr.michellechung and um, where I just give some tips and just general wellness and mental fitness. That's another place where you can definitely find me. Awesome. We're so excited to continue this conversation and we will chat more very, very soon. Thanks so much, Sam. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. (laughs) Do 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 do